Welcome again to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Now, if you live here in Northwest Arkansas, we would love the opportunity to worship with you. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas at 1030 on Sunday mornings. Now, if you need more information, you can find that at calvaryfayetteville.com. You can call us at 479-442-4634, or you can email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com. On today's podcast, I have the opportunity to share from 1 Peter chapter 2, looking at the topic of made to be different as we continue studying and learning more of what it means to be a Christ follower. Let's listen together. Let me invite you to take your Bible and turn it to 1 Peter chapter 2 if you haven't already done so. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 21 as we spend some time looking at the idea of being made to be different. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Kirk has been sharing with us the big idea that Christ makes all the difference as we've looked at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22. And really, there's no greater truth. Christ makes all the difference in our lives. Without Him, we would be nothing. Without Him, everything else just kind of fades away. It has no real meaning, no real purpose. Christ makes all the difference. So as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-21, through 21, that's the idea that I want you to take from here, is that we are made to be different. If Christ has made all the difference in this world and all the difference in our lives, then we are made to be different. Let's look at some of the things that Jesus has done as he has made all the difference in our lives. I wanted us as a way of introduction to think about these things. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Because if we went around this room and we talked with different people, if I asked, what has Jesus done in your life? I'd probably hear he saved me, that he's done different things, he's given me purpose. And you have your own testimony of why Jesus is important to you and important to your life. But as I thought about these things, I thought very much about these things that Jesus has done. The first is this, that he has saved us. Romans 6, 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, those things that we earn, we earn death. Because we are born sinners in need of a Savior. That's what we deserve. That's what we should get because of our sin. But God has given us His Son, Jesus Christ. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what has Jesus done? What difference has He made in us, in our lives, in this world? He has saved us. The second thing is this. That He has reconciled us with the Father. I love that idea, that we were at odds with God, and he came in and he made a way for us to communicate, for us to talk with God the Father, for us to have a relationship with us. He has reconciled us with the Father. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, the Bible says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He serves as that go-between, that, that person that can help us communicate with the Father. We don't have to pray through anybody else except through Jesus Christ. So he has reconciled us with the Father. That's the difference that Jesus has made. He has also given us peace. And man, 
That's what we've needed this past year, isn't it? There have been so many things that have caused us anxiety, that has caused us worry, that has caused us fear. But Jesus, he gives us peace. In John 14, 27, the Bible says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. <coughs> let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Through Jesus, we have peace. And let me tell you, take away COVID if it, as if it had never happened. This past year and a half has been a wild one for the Carsons. I especially think about the journey that Riley has been on and how he is, we have walked through that with him, starting right before everything, the world seemed to fall apart. But God has blessed and God has provided, and he continues to do that. And in those moments, it just reassures us that he gives us a peace like any other. And I, and I watched God do that in my own son. As he laid in a hospital bed at different times, and he just trusted that God was going to work things out for his glory and for his sake. Jesus has made the difference because he has given us peace. He has given us access to the Father. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We don't have access through any other way except through Jesus Christ. We, he gives us that. And then he also has given us hope. In Matthew 28, 6, the Bible simply shares that resurrection story. And it, in, there are three words in here that I think are so important. The angel says, he is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Those three little words, as he said, he made that promise. He fulfilled that promise. And because he overcame the grave, that gives us hope. That no matter what happens in this life, this temporary place that we are, there is hope beyond. Because Jesus has power over death and over the grave. You know, Christ truly makes all the difference in our lives, individually and as a church. He works in us. He does these incredible things. I watch him. My son, back to him one more time. Recently, we found out there's a supplemental thing that, with his shots. He takes these shots every eight weeks because of his health, and um, they're rather expensive, as you can imagine. Um, so we were a little concerned when the company that was doing the supplemental said, guess what? You've run out of money for the year. And so it cost at $5,000 a shot. It was going to hit us pretty hard. Um, and so we were really concerned, not sure we're taking some more steps or some other things we can apply for. And, and Riley all along says, well, God's going to work it out. And I'm thinking, all right, Riley, I need your faith right now. He called his doctor's office, and they said, come on down. We have a sample shot we can give you. God is big. He is in control. He does amazing things. He works in amazing ways, and he does all of these things through his son, Jesus Christ. And Christ makes all the difference in our lives, from our salvation, our relationship with him, to the peace that he gives. And we could go on with a bigger list of things that he has done in my life. He has given me purpose. He has given me a plan. He has given me a vocation, a ministry, a life that I can live, that I can honor him. Christ truly makes all the difference in our lives, individually and as a church. 
It's with that, uh, with that in mind that I want us to move forward this morning and take a brief departure from Ephesians. Um, we have been working our way through Ephesians. We'll still be working our way through Ephesians for a while longer. And um, I love that. I love a deep dive into God's Word. But as we look this morning, we see that Christ makes all the difference because He is working in us to make us different. In 1 Peter 2, the King James Version uses a word that I, I love. It is a word that you may not be as familiar with or haven't seen that much. But does the word mean the same thing today as it was originally translated? No. But in many ways, the word still represents what Jesus has done in our lives. If we look at 1 Peter 2, 9, we find the word peculiar. I love that. As believers and Christ followers, we are peculiar. We are different. We don't always fit the situation and the place. And the modern connotation of that word is maybe weird. And I've talked with students over the years, let's be weird for Jesus. And that's kind of what it is. We are different. We are set apart. We are something different. You know, as believers, we don't always fit the situation and the place. We know that study uh, and looking at that original language, it denotes this idea of property belonging to someone. However, it is that idea of being different that I want us to hone in on today. If Jesus makes all the difference, then we are made to be different. And so I want us to, to look at, at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. I'm going to read all of those verses, follow along. I think it's important for us to have the context. We're going to look specifically in verses 9 through 21, uh, really looking there. Because in 9, if you have the, your King James, it does use that word peculiar, that we are a peculiar people. I think we're kind of peculiar here at Calvary, and that's okay, because that's what God has called us to do. So beginning in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they, were, they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Then in verse 9, where we're going to hang out. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. 
Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God, for to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how we find uh, this connection to the passage that we've been reading in Ephesians and how you are doing a work in us individually and in us as a body of believers. Father, help us to hold fast to you and to embrace the blessedness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you be with us as we look in your word, that you help us to understand some truths this morning, and that you help us to, to say yes as you call us to that. Forgive us where we fail you. In Christ and we pray. Amen. Well, most of us understand the idea of being different. Some of us are, are different by nature. That's just kind of who we are. At some point in your life, you may have stood out from the crowd. You may have liked that, or it might have been a horrifying idea to you that you were different from everybody else. I remember having conversations with my dad about his high school experience. He didn't want to stand out at that time so, so much that he deliberately didn't do as well in his classes as he could so that he got unnoticed. He'd get a C when he probably was a B or maybe even an A student, but he just didn't want to be noticed. In contrast, I've also known friends and, and students over the years that are just consumed with this idea of being number one. They couldn't think of being anything else but that. They desperately wanted to stand out. And then you had students all across the board, whether it was their dress or whether it was the things they were involved in or their achievements or where they may have wanted to be different. Now, whether it's at school or at the job, being different can change the way that others look at you. It shapes their perception of your motives and ultimately your impact. Let me explain it another way. I had the privilege of going to a Razorback game yesterday. Now, Maybe uh, you have some opinion about what happened that first half. I know that many of us who were watching the game are there. We all had our own opinions. Um, but at the end of the day, there was a win, and we could celebrate that. Throughout the game, the masses of Razorback fans called the Hogs, and it's that unifying act that does two things at once. It pulls a big mass of people together who all want to be supportive of those on the field. At the same time, it sets us apart as Razorback fans. It's something unique. You don't find this anywhere else. In the high schools that we have, you'll hear high schools I get to announce for Lincoln, and they want me to do, and that's another Lincoln Wolves first down, just kind of like the Razorbacks. 
But there's no calling the wolves out in Lincoln or uh, calling the dogs in Springdale or Fayetteville. It's just not that type of thing. Now, if you sit during the calling of the hogs at a Razorback game, you're seen by those around you as, well, you're probably not a true fan. Okay? You stand out by remaining seated. It makes you very different if you're not one of the thousands of people up there raising your hands and wooing along the, alongside. Now, in the same way, we've been made to be different. We really have. There are times that we don't need to stand up and cheer with what's going on in the world. We need to stand out. The King James Version, 1 Peter 2, 9, says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Remember I used that word earlier, peculiar. We're strange. We're different. Now, again, this means something a little bit different in the original language. It means to belong to Jesus as believers in Jesus Christ. Christ sets us apart for something. Our classmates and our fellow employees should see us as different. They should know that Jesus has made a difference in our lives and that we belong to another. If we can walk through the world and life the same as anyone else, then there's a big problem. Why? Because Christ makes all the difference and we are made to be different. People around us should say there is something strange, maybe, peculiar, different, weird. You can use whatever word you want. But there should be something different about us if we have followed Jesus Christ. And if there's not, then what difference are we making? What is our witness? God is calling us to be a great witness in our world. So what does that look like? What that is what we want to investigate this morning as we look really through this 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, and then a little bit 13 through 21 as we go along. So I want us to understand these concepts, this idea that we are made to be different because Christ has made all the difference in the world. Number one, we are made to be different. In verses 9 through 12, the Bible says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, if I'm part of the people that Peter is addressing, I'm thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. I am special. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ, if you are a part of following him, you are special. You are different. There's a whole list here of things that make us different. We are made to be different. What do we have? Well, first of all, we are a chosen race. We have been selected by God. Now, I know that there is... As I have gone through this, trying to figure out God's sovereignty versus the free will of man and understand those things together and put them together, there's part of it that I just simply won't. But I do know that I've been chosen by God, that we have been chosen by God. I have been saved because that's a part of God's will. And I follow Him, and I serve Him. I have been chosen. Now, we sometimes may have a problem with that idea of God's sovereignty, but think about what God did with Abraham and the people of Israel. 
He selected those people to bless the world. He chose him with all the other people around, all the others in the world. It was a chosen race. And so as Peter's writing, he's connecting these ideas that you aren't just a chosen race because of your bloodline. You are a chosen race because of his bloodline. The difference that Jesus made makes us different. The second thing is that we are a royal priesthood. Now, again, in the... uh, the context of the the people of Israel. They had priests that were there. They would be the ones that would stand in between and and make sure that the people's sins were taken care of and, and all of those things. But guess what? When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no need for any other mediator except Jesus Christ alone. In that sense, we become part of the royal priesthood. We are changed. We are made different. He goes on to say that we are a holy nation. And I love that idea of holy. It means to be set apart. We are set apart. When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are changed from who we were to who we are. And that means that we are set apart. So there are things that we should abstain from. There are things that we should say, no, that is not for me because I am of a chosen race. I am of a royal priesthood. I am of a holy nation. I need to put these things behind. I need to put these things to the other side because I have been made different. Now, as he goes on through his list, again, the word peculiar in the King James is is translated a people of his own possession. You belong to somebody else. Now, I know, especially as Americans, we don't necessarily like the idea of belonging to somebody like they own us or anything along that line. We're all about our freedom. But the simple truth is that we were bought with a price, and we are owned by God the Father, and our life should reflect that. We are people of His possession, the very special possession. You all have something in your life that you hold as a treasure. Now, for me, wedding ring. You know, and hopefully, husbands, this is a treasure to you. Your wedding ring is a treasure. But you may have something else. You may have something special in your life. My dad, um, dog tag, I have a dog tag from him. I think my daughter has stolen it from me, and she has it down in Conway with her. But, you know, special things like that. There are special things. I, I've been in Taekwondo. I earn belts. Those are special. Those are a... Uh, possession of mine that I'm proud of, that I love. We are a possession of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are special to him, and being owned by someone is not a horrible thing, especially when it's the very God of the universe, and our life should reflect that. The other things that he has in this little passage of Scripture is that we are worshipers, or we are grateful worshipers of King Jesus. When we see what he has done in our lives, when we realize what he has done in our life, what happens? Well, it should turn into pray, prayers and praise. It turns into song. As we come together and we sing, we sing not only to worship, we sing to one another. It is an important part, and that's one of the reasons we've been wearing the mask is because of that stuff that comes out when we sing. But it is an opportunity for us to celebrate for us to to worship the King of Kings, and it comes in times other than just song. It's those moments when you spend time in the mornings or the evenings reading the Word, praying, and just celebrating what God has done for you that day. 
It comes at all other times. It, worshiping is a matter of exalting the name of King Jesus. Then he also lists that we are God's people. Again, slightly different idea than possession, but we have that label. I love using the term to describe who I am as a Christ follower. It's so easy. Well, I'm a Christian. And I hear students use that word. Well, he's a Christian. Well, that can mean a lot of things in our society. But when I am one of God's people, when I am a Christ follower, there's no denying what I'm doing. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ in my life and with my actions, with my heart, with my beliefs. That should be our mindset. We are God's people. And then we are recipients of great mercy. Ah. The mercy and grace that God has bestowed on us by the gift of Jesus. We deserve death. We deserve hell. But because of what Jesus did, we have life eternal and we have rich, rich mercy. God has called us to be different. We are made to be different. As we have looked and we've seen how Christ makes all the difference, He has made all of the difference. And He's made you to be different. So do you like the idea of knowing that you are of a chosen race, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a part of a holy nation, that you are a part of a people for His own possession, that you are God's people and recipients of mercy? That should bring you joy today, knowing that all of those things are identifiers for those that are followers of Jesus Christ. But not only are we made to be different, we are made to act differently. Verses 11 through 12, we see that as aliens and strangers, we're supposed to be a little bit different. Verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, it is important for us to understand that we can't just use the name, oh, I'm a Christian. As I mentioned before, students all the time will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Or, yeah, I'll, this, my favorite one over the years has been, is that person a Christ follower? Because we want Christ followers to date other Christ followers. If they're going to be doing some dating, that's a good thing. The Bible talks about that. And so, yeah, he's a Christian. He goes to church. What does he believe? Is he growing in his faith? Is he any different than those that are around him? If we have been made to be different, then we should act differently. Things should be different about us. As we look at this passage, we need to understand that as aliens and strangers, we are to abstain from the passions of the flesh. There are things that we just don't need to do because it is not God-honoring. There are things we love to do. There are things we may like to do. But there are things that we just need to set aside because they are not God-honoring. We have great freedom in Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Romans talks about. There are other places that we find that freedom that we have, this great grace that God has bestowed in this world. But we need to understand that God has called us to be mindful of one another, to love one another in such a way. And that may mean that we need to abstain from the passions 
that are in our lives. Secondly, we are to conduct ourselves honorably. We have known, you may have known, uh, whether it's church members over the years, whether it's preachers over the years, that weren't acting honorably. They claimed to be something, but their actions reflected something entirely different. And if we are going to be Christ followers, if we have say that Christ has made a difference in our life, then the, our lives should be different because it reflects into this world. If one of us acts in an, a way that is dishonorable, then it reflects on Jesus and the rest of us. God calls us to act in an honorable way because of the witness that it has in this world. And we are to invest in good deeds. I don't know what you do with your time. I don't do enough of investing in good deeds myself. I think that we all need to take some steps towards that, especially in our neighborhood here and then in your neighborhood. How do you invest in those around us? The third thing I want us to see this morning is that being different brings glory to God. As I mentioned, verse 12 talks about that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Ultimately, being different for Jesus serves as a great witness to those around us. We must remember that everything that we do impacts how people perceive and understand who Jesus and God the Father are. If we claim to be Christ followers, but our lives don't reflect that in a real life or online, that's a whole other area that we need to watch, then there's a big problem. Our difference for Christ can point a lost world to glorifying the Father. So we need to be different. We need to remember when we're at, I think about, I'll tell my own little confessional story. I remember being at a, uh, the pharmacy in the our own resident or retired pharmacist over here at the pharmacy at the neighborhood market in Walmart and they had done something that was enough to get me upset and I just kind of chewed out the young lady behind the counter she didn't have anything to do with the problem but I was just upset and thought what am I going to do I just was like Ugh. it was not a, an honoring way to act it was not a loving way to act I got in my car afterwards, I drove down the road, and I can't leave it like that. I turned around, went back, and I apologized to that young lady for what I'd done. Now, I will tell you, there are other times where I've not turned around and apologized, but in that moment, I realized that my witness was being hurt. Jesus, in a sense, was being dishonored. The people that I was, my faith family was being dishonored. We need to understand that. If we claim to be a Christ follower, our difference for Christ can point a lost world to glorifying the Father. Now, as we look through verses 13 and on, um, we see a number of instructions that help us flesh out how we are to live our lives differently. And so I, take, I would encourage you to take some time there from 13, really through the end of the chapter, just kind of meditate on those. Look at those. We're going to list through these in just a moment, but I can't cover everything about them. Um, it is important for us to understand that we are to live out our faith. Again, our heart changes, then our actions should reflect that heart change.
Verses 13 through 14, we understand that we are to be in submission to the government as being put into place by God. Now, a lot of us may not like that, especially as Americans. We look at things like Romans 13 and, and here, verses 13 and 14, this understanding that we're supposed to, um, well, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. We may not necessarily like that idea. But if you need to understand, this is what God's Word says. And we need to reflect what God's Word says rather than what our own hearts and our own minds think. Verse 16, we are to live as servants of God. We must use our Christian freedoms for God rather than living as servants of our own self. I don't know about you, but too often in my own lives, that's where I find myself. I Like, well, this is what I want to do. Or I'll couch it in, well, this is the best thing for my family rather than asking the question, is this the best thing for God? Verse 17, we are to honor everyone and to love the brotherhood. We are to fear God and we are to honor the emperor. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. We're to honor those people. I remember reading a book. It was called Love is a Decision by Gary Smalley. It was this book that I read right before Temple and I got married. So, I mean, it's been a couple of years now, okay? <laughs> but it told me this one thing, that love isn't necessarily a feeling. As often, you know, you're young, you're in love, it's, you're about to get married. We were 20 and you know, you have all these ideas of what love is about, but it came down to this one little thing. Love is this choice to honor that other person. It is a choice for me to honor that other person. Even when I didn't feel like I loved Temple, <laughs> it was my, I needed to make the choice to honor her. Did I always do that? Well, she'll tell you no. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> But it is a simple idea that we are going to choose to honor those around us, even if we don't feel like it, even if they don't, we don't feel like they deserve it. We need to honor everyone. We're to love the brotherhood, love those that are here in the body, because when we love one another, the world sees that. It is something unusual. We've talked about it before. At what point in life would we put all of these different personalities, backgrounds, and everything else together? It's only because of our relationship with Christ. And that pulls us together, and that love together makes a huge impact in our world. And we're to fear God, of course, but to honor the emperor. Now, we need to understand, this couldn't have been an easy thing to do, especially the persecution that they were facing during this time and after this time, but Peter's words were this, honor the emperor. Then verses 18 through 21, he goes on to say that we are to suffer for his sakes, for Jesus' sake. Now, some of these instructions seem to fall into contrast with who we are as Americans. However, the Bible makes it clear that we are not living here on this planet for ourselves. We are here to live for Jesus as his servants rather than servants to self. As many of you know, maybe you didn't, but I, I, was, I loved high school band. I know it was a million years ago now, but I was still one of the things. I loved seeing my kids in high school band and still really involved in the same sort of program that I was. They were at Harbor High School with Jeremy Ford, uh, still part of that legacy. I loved that thing. 
Because once you were made part of the band at Springdale, it was a big deal. There was an expectation of excellence, an expectation of character. So you were a part of that by name, but then you had to live it out. Or you got it all from all sorts of angles. Whether it was the upperclassmen who were ahead of you, whether it was the band boosters, or whether it was the directors, they let you know you're not representing us well. We're followers of Christ. We say that we're followers of Christ. We have believed and we've been saved and changed. We need to live that out. And just like I had to be a good band member because I was going to hear from somebody, we want to exhort one another (laughs) to correct one another, to love on one another, and so that we will bring honor and glory to Jesus throughout all of this. So let me ask you this. Has Christ made all the difference in your life? Have you encountered Jesus and trusted Him as your Savior? If you haven't, and I look around this room and I think, surely everyone here has. But you know what? There are moments, if you look back, that you may have realized, I just got baptized, or I just joined a church. There's no shame in that. The important thing is to make sure that you are right in that relationship with Jesus. If you haven't ever made that decision, if you haven't ever stepped through that, I know that Pastor Kirk and myself, there are other leaders here that would love to have that talk with you and to share with you. But perhaps more that are a part of this crowd today, you know Jesus, but maybe you're not living in a way that is marked by difference. 2 Corinthians 5.17 that Georgia shared with us at the very beginning of our service, it says, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a new creature. You are his creation. And that is going to make us peculiar. That is going to make us different. So let's live like it and let Christ continue to make all the difference in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together (coughs) to worship you, to celebrate you. And we just thank you. We thank you for the difference that Jesus has made. I just ask that if there's someone here that hasn't accepted Jesus, that they'll make that decision. They'll set aside any preconceived ideas and they'll just simply humble themselves before you. Father, we thank you, and we ask that you help us to be different in this neighborhood, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our family. Father, help us to to make a difference for you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.